Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's a beautiful thing to know our position before our Lord and Savior. Now, kindness and goodness is our theme for today. And what does kindness and goodness? When you get to Galatians 5 and 22, it has kindness and goodness there. What do these two different phrases mean? Well, I thought I would use a character in a classic, classic story, one that if you have any kind of culture to you or any kind of real education, you would know this character, and he's going to help me demonstrate uh, the difference between kindness and goodness, and I thought it appropriate because this time of the year, so if you've had any upbringing whatsoever, if your parents loved you, you know about this story, right? He's a mean one. Yeah. I have this cold just so I could sing that deep bass, right? You know this guy, the Grinch, the guy who tried to steal Christmas. So let's look at goodness. The Grinch had zip, zero. I'm sorry, if I don't do this right now, I'll forget. I've gotten you this far, and I forgot to make the announcements in my hand. Now back to the lesson. Zero goodness. Dr. Seuss tells us early in the story what the problem is with the Grinch. He's got a shriveled heart. It's a third the size it should be. It's withered. It's shriveled it's it's almost non-existence and so the goodness therein is is so tiny he has no no real moral character and if you know the story he really doesn't does he well goodness in the greek is agathosune Agathosune. It is a beautiful moral character. It is the virtue of being made good because of God's grace. And now, some of you know, what does the name, we get this name of what? Agatha out of that. You can see that in there. Does anybody know what Agatha means? Agatha Christie. It actually means good Christie. Agatha. Agathosine is that virtue of being good now it's not good because I'm good right it's good because of the grace of God because of God's moral character that he's trying to implant in me by allowing the spirit to live in me and through me and then we have kindness wasn't very kind was he remember how the Grinch tried to steal everything all the Christmas ornaments, all the trees, all, all, all the presents. He stuffs and tries to steal. He had zero kindness. Kindness is that act. In the Greek, the word is Christates. It is a moral right behavior, an act of benevolence or righteousness. Righteousness means the doing of the right thing, okay? It's an act. It's benevolence. And that is the kindness. 
So now that we know the difference between goodness and kindness, we can study that. The key question this morning in our study is, how can I practice goodness and kindness in a broken and hateful world? Isn't it hard? Isn't it hard sometimes for the goodness and the kindness to really creep out of our lives because we live in such a broken and a hateful world? Uh, But the answer to this question is, I choose to be kind and good in my relationship with others because of the goodness and kindness Christ has shown me. Our verse this morning is, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, the Grinch's problem was what was in his heart to begin with. And what was in his heart manifested itself in what he did, right? And if you're good on the inside, Christ tells us that we're going to do good things, that we're going to have acts of kindness. I love this scriptures. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of our righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having a hope of eternal life. He didn't want you to miss it, so that he comes back and says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things to you so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. It's a good saying. He wants to stress them that you should devote yourself to acts of kindness. And that's excellent. And that's profitable for everyone. Goodness and kindness. Three points this morning that I want you to walk away with from this sermon. The metamorphosis of God's goodness. The transformation in your life that will take place the deeper that you know God. Number two, what does kindness really look like? Because I think that we have some misperceptions of what kindness really looks like. And number three, applications to a more Christ-like life. Number one, the metamorphosis of God's goodness. Christ's love has changed us, and Paul wants us to recognize this. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that the one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves 
no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A new creation has come. The old one is gone. A new one is here. Do you hear the excitement in Paul's voice? He wants you to, to realize no longer do we look at the rest of the world through the world's eyes. We no longer label people. I want you right now just to think of all the labels that have been put on you. All the things that you've been called in your life. Now I want you to think just for a moment about all the people that you've labeled. You've called them this or you've called them that. You've objectified them. Can I tell you every time you label someone, you objectify them so you can devalue them. And Christ comes along and he says, that's not what it's about. I want you to look through God's eyes. I want you to see people like I see people. Because I don't see the addict. I don't see black. I don't see white. I don't see rich. I don't see poor. I don't see educated. I don't see uneducated. I don't see intelligence. And I don't see stupidity. What I see is a child of God with value. That's the way I want you to see everyone in your life. Because the old has gone and the new is here. And Preston, it's not because I pulled myself up from my bootstraps and I'm just that good. No, it's because <laughs> when, you, when you open a door, Preston will walk through it. It's because of what's done for us and whose we are. Paul tells the Corinthians, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image ever with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now how, how, pray tell, are we being transformed into his glory? Take a look at it. It's right before you. We have to contemplate on the Lord's glory you see when I fix my eyes on Christ when I stare at my God and I contemplate it then it changes me it transforms me it metamorphoses Keith into something different into something new now I got to tell you and I, I I I want to offend you just enough to change you okay so if this few statements hurt a little that's okay because if it changes you I've done my job some of you think that you can be more Christ-like and you can be more you can be more into his image be transformed into his image 
just by being good. And I'm telling you, you can't. You have to contemplate the Lord's glory. Well, what does that mean, Keith? That means you've got to read your Bible, read spiritual books that focus you and make you think outside of your tiny little box, sing his praise, read his psalms, look at his book, and it will change you. Folks, I am telling you, Scripture changes people. Amen? And you're kidding yourself if you just think that you're going to grow in God's glory without focusing and without reading and without contemplating on your God. He tells the Romans, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word really is metamorphosized. That thing that happens to a caterpillar as it moves into being a butterfly. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Folks, we are to be transformed people. And this transformation is by studying and knowing what God's will is and then applying it to our life. I know a lot of people who know a lot of scripture. Matter of fact, there are some people who are quite famous in history that knew a lot of scripture, but they didn't allow it to transform them. They didn't allow it to make a difference in their lives, in the way they lived day to day. And Paul is trying to tell the Romans, don't be conformed, don't follow the way of the world. They're trying to get you to, be, to, to follow other gods. They're trying to get you to follow other things. And Paul wants you to realize that's not the way of the Christians. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind, by looking at our Christ and becoming like our Christ, like our God. Number two, what does kindness look like? Kindness is not self serving kindness is not self-serving if you think you're being kind and you're serving yourself you've got another thing going on kindness is never about what i want the corinthians the corinthians are a set of people who have a great vast of polarity. They have the Jews and then they have these almost wild, crazy non-believers who have wild ideas about what they can do and what they can accomplish. Gnosticism. And in Gnosticism, it said that you can do anything. And over here on the far side of that, it's the strictest Hebrew, the strictest Jew. And Paul's trying to bring them in and rein them in because one side says 
says you're, you're holy because you keep all these rules and do all these regulations. And the, the other side, who, these con, new converts who were in Gnosticism are over here on the other side saying, no, I can do anything. It's not about what I do. It's not about my body. I can do anything. And Paul's trying to rein them in. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But Paul says, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Paul's saying, hey, Hebrews, hey, ultra-traditionalism, it's not about that. Hey, Gnostics, it's not about that. What it's about is you looking at your brother or sister in Christ and seeking out what's best for them, to do what's best for them, not about you, Folks, when my kindness serves me, it's really not kindness. It's me being self-centered, right? When I do something great and grand for someone so I'll get something back, that's really not kindness, is it? That's self-centeredness. That's selfishness at the very core. Jesus is having a dinner. He's been invited and to this really fancy feast by some popular wealthy people. And they come in and they start jockeying, trying to get the best place at the table. And as they're coming in and they're trying to set at the best place, Jesus says, you know, what you really ought to do is you really ought to take the least important place at the table. Because you're thinking about other people and you're trying to honor other people. Because if you take a good place, if you take a good seat, and then the host comes in and says, hey, I'm sorry, but you've got so-and-so seat. You need to scoot down. I'm sorry, that's not far enough. Keep scooting. No, yours is right up. There you go. Then you're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be dishonored. But if you'll just go ahead and you'll take the lowest seat and try to honor everybody else, then if the guest comes and sees you sitting down there and says, hey, that's not your seat. Your seat's way over there. Well, then you're even more honored. But either way, your actions have honored others. And then it seems as if the host might be doing this, right? Yep. When you come to my house, that's how it ought to be. And then Jesus says this to them. When you give a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you back, and so you've been repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Christ is saying kindness is not self-serving. Don't, don't do something kind for people who can pay you back. Do something kind for someone who can't pay you back at all. 
Because kindness is never self-serving. B, kindness is motivated by love. I only needed one scripture for this. It's the perfect scripture for this point. And you'll never find a better one. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What's the motivation? The motivation for kindness is love. And if you're doing something for somebody and love is not your motivation, then you're not doing something really kind. The core motivation for all kindness is love. C, kindness is learned and grows. Man does it ever. All these, all these virtues of really the basis of love that Paul gives us in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are learned and they grow. So often in your lives, sometimes we look at people and go, oh, I could never do that. That was so nice. That was so kind of them. Why don't I think of things like that? Well, because you didn't start. You see, kindness is something that's learned. And the more you do it, the easier it is to do. And the more you think of it, and the more often you do it. Margaret Murphy's going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to talk about you, Margaret. You see, she's done it so long. When someone passes in our church, she doesn't even have to think, am I going to do something for them? Am I going to help with a meal for them? She just does it. And you know why she just does it? Because she's been doing it for 30 years, 20 years. She's barely 30, so maybe 20 Why isn't that part of my personality? Because I'm not practicing it. I'm not growing it. I loved, I told you this Wednesday night, if you were here, and I'll tell you again, I walked into this to Mercy Hospital, and, and, and everybody there has been wonderful to my father, and, and he's doing really well, and that's going great. But one of the things I was most impressed with was the guy at Subway. All these medical geniuses flowing around and all this great stuff and these instruments that are incredible and, and, and all this technology that happened. And what was Keith impressed with? The guy behind the counter at Subway. Because when I walked up, he said, how's your day going? God bless you. I don't know this guy at all. But he wants to know how my day is going and he blesses me the first thing. And this this at first might sound like, oh, it's one of those things where you just walk in the door and some, they have to say this. He doesn't have to say this. And I know this because the first girl who met me at Subway behind the counter didn't say a word to me other than, hi. And then I started noticing this guy, every person that walked up, he told them this. How's your day going? God bless you. And you know what? Most of them he knew by name. When they walked up, it was just part of him. It was just part of who he was. Why? Because he practiced it. He learned it. 
Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs, not to live unproductive lives. Paul's telling Titus, you gotta tell my church, you gotta tell our followers, you need to learn to be devoted to each other. That's part of being Christian. Hello? D, kindness does the right thing even when it's hard. I want you to pay particular attention to this because sometimes we get this wrong. Kindness does the right thing even when it's hard. Instead, speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Sometimes doing the right thing is hard because it means some type of confrontation. Now let me illustrate this. Lewis starts to walk out in front of traffic and I grab hold of his collar and I yank him back and I say, son, don't ever do that again. And then 30 seconds goes by and a cat runs by and he wants to pet it and he starts to go out in that street again. Except now I grab him hold of his collar and I yank him back and I get right in his face and I may even hold his cheeks and I say, son, don't do that again. I love you and I want you to be with me until life is over. Now don't do that again. Sometimes in love we're going to have to speak the truth to people and it's going to be uncomfortable but that is a form of kindness that we are called to. Galatians 6 Paul tells him, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who have lived by the Spirit must restore that person. What? I want everybody to say it. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you have lived by the Spirit must restore that person gently. It is our responsibility, Jack, to speak truth to people Gently. And then after he gets through saying that, he puts in great big bold letters. No. He continues to write on. But watch yourselves or you will also be tempted. I can't warn you enough. Just like Paul can't warn you enough. After he tells you that it's your responsibility to lovingly and gently tell people the truth. He says, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. What kind of temptation is that, do you think? That temptation that your chest bows out, you start thinking, oh, I'm better than they are. And so I can tell them. I'm so good that I can tell them how to live. And as soon as I get that attitude, I have failed. And now I need somebody to come and straighten me out. Right? It's like the guy who gets the honor award for humility. As soon as he comes up and lays hold of it, he's lost it, right? 
we've got to watch ourselves and we've got to be very careful on this point that we're never arrogant and we never think that we have reached that pinnacle of perfectness that we can go out and get on to somebody because we're so good. No, kindness, kindness is never self-motivated. Kindness is never self-serving. Kindness is never proud or arrogant, is it? But it's still our, it's our responsibility to do the right thing, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it puts us sometimes in those strange, awkward position, positions. Applications to be more Christ-like. Out of a pure heart to do the right thing. Remember while you're, you're practicing kindness. It's got to come from a pure heart. That goodness that you have because of whose you are. Seek to build others up with kindness. If you think you're doing kindness and it's not building somebody up, then you're not practicing kindness. When you go about to do something kind, you ought to be asking yourself, how is this going to benefit Mike? How is this going to benefit Johnny? How is this going to benefit Micah? What's it going to do for them? How is it going to lift them up and build them up? Number three, do the hard things out of love. Kindness is not always easy. Sometimes kindness is hard. But it's never self-serving. And it never really should make you look good. It should make them look good, right? Well, we go back to our very serious and uh, very classic story of the Grinch. And who changed the Grinch? Cindy Lou Who from Whoville changed the Grinch with one act of kindness. With one good heart and one act of kindness, she starts to melt this green menace. And by the end of the story, this Grinch his heart's repaired, and now it's grown back three sizes larger. But isn't that our story? Is it one act of kindness really what changed our hearts, transformed our lives and our minds? Isn't it that one act? of grace and kindness that has made a whole difference in our life and who we are and what we're about. Amen? If you haven't given your heart to Christ Jesus, don't you think it's about time? Maybe some of you have strayed and your heart has begun to wither and you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Our elders will stand at the beginning of this next song and they'll walk to the back. And if you privately want to speak with them and ask for prayers, 
they would love to help you. If you'd like to put on Christ in baptism, I'd be thrilled to do it. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's all stand, please.